0: Okay, this is Parshas Pinchas, and the topic is, uh, of course, Benot When I think about Benot Slavchad, I think about it in the context of the Parshiyot, Korach, Chukas, Bolok, Pinchas. Those Parshiyot are all about things that happened to Bnei Yisrael in the desert. As they were preparing to go into Eretz Israel, The actual preparation to go to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan, begins with counting B'nei Yisrael in the parish of Pinchas. You remember, I've mentioned several times that the netziv, the netziv points out that the reason there were two countings of B'nei Yisrael in Bamidbar, right, which is a fact, The first counting of Bnei Yisrael begins in the parasha of Bamidbar and continues in Nosso, right, the the first counting of Bnei Yisrael. The second counting of Bnei Yisrael is in the parasha of of, uh, of Pinchas. And of course, he's asked, well, why why was Bnei Yisrael counted twice in the same sefer, the same book of the Torah? And the counting was... uh, was presented to uh, for all. And so the answer of the Bezir is that the first counting was as Rashi says, Chiba. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to count v'nei Yisrael. It was a sign of love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had for Am Yisrael. But the second counting was the counting that was necessary before they go into Eretz Israel where they're going to be called upon to fight for their right to the land of Canaan. And so, as is natural, uh, before you go to, to war, you have to count how many soldiers you have, how many people there are who can... Uh, so that would be the, the natural thing that happened in the parish of Pinchas. The natural thing was to count... The camp in Israel. But all of the things that happened, in other words, the things that happened in the beginning of the book of uh, of Bamidbar, right? B'amidbar, Noso, Shlach. Shlach uh, changed things because Shlach, there was the parish of the Maraglim, and the parish of the Maraglim slowed down progress. It slowed down progress for 38 years. 38 years the Jews wandered in the desert until they all those who had left Eretz Canaan died. All those who left Eretz Canaan died. And then the new generation or generations uh, were the ones who were to enter into Eretz Canaan. So that's Shalach. After Shlach, after the Parsha Shlach, come these parshiot that uh, kind of reframe. I would say they reframe the community of the Jews, because before the Parsha of Shlach, everything was clear. Moshe Rabbeinu was the great teacher, and he was the great leader, and he was the great authoritarian and he was the one who decided matters of civil importance. I mean, like, who would be the head of this tribe and who would be the head of that tribe, and clearly Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who decided all of that. In the parashiyot, Korach, Chukas, Bolok, Pinchas, you have a kind of breakdown of the authority of Moshe Rabbeinu. It doesn't mean it goes from 10 to zero, but it goes from 10 to shaky, and then it recovers maybe at five or six. That's the stories of Korach and Chukas and Balak and Pinchas. Korach, Korach were people in the, in the community who opposed Moshe Rabbeinu's powers of making decisions of civil authority. Like who's going to be the nasi, of this tribe of Levi, who is going to be the other Nazi of the tribe of, of whatever. And at the same time, Korach made a stab against the religious authority of Moshe Abenu, right? It says, that's what he said, that we were all there at Har Sinai, we all saw. We were all there when the Torah was given. In other words, even though we understand it, because we're all kind of students of the Rambam, on this matter, we understand that Moshe Rabbeinu's position in Matan Torah was unique. It wasn't like anybody else's, but apparently, Korach says, you could say say that we were all there. You could say we were all the same, that there was no difference between uh, us and Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's Korach. That's Korach. Korach denied Moshe Rabbeinu's authority in two areas, and it it caused the problem. Those two areas were his civil authority and his religious authority. Right? That was that was Korach. Chukas. In Chukas, you have uh, the case of the of the waters that come from the. Come from the stone, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to speak to the stone, and he he, he uh, hit the stone. So whatever the whatever your pshat is about that story, however it is that Moshe Rabbeinu did something that God did not want him to do, it indicates that there's a fault in the conversation that when Israel could understand that there was some problem. Between Moshe Rabbeinu, there was a problem between Moshe Rabbeinu and Hakadosh Baruch which was somehow a lack of understanding. They didn't quite understand each other. It wasn't quite the way it was supposed to be, according to according to uh, what we what we see, and that that's in the parish of Chukas. So that's another. it's another <coughs> it's another kind of breakdown of the authority of Moshe Rabbein it's a breakdown of the authority of Moshe Rabbein. so that's in these three of the parish of Pinchas there's a, a, a very important story the story of Benot Lavchad. because the story of Benot Lavchad, as we will see it's a further indication that Moshe Rabbeinu's authority was weakened. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, we have a Shailah. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, well, I don't know the answer. We'll have to turn to a higher authority. So that Moshe Rabbeinu, again, in the parish of Pinchas, in the parish of Pinchas, uh, is unable, is unable to accept, to exact the authority that we expect of him based on the way we understand things, again, based on the Ramah, that the Ram, that Ram Moshe Rabbeinu remained as Faklari That's what the, the, language, the language of the Gemara, but the language of the Ramah, that there was some vision that Moshe Rabbeinu had that no one else could compete with, that no one else, uh, but you see that the Benot Tzolaf not only did Menot Slavchad ask a shyly and not get an answer, but, the, but Rashi says that they were responsible for adding a parasha to the Torah. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know exactly what that means, but whatever you think it means, adding a partial to the Torah, maybe we'll just look at that posse. What, what Pinchas did is also uh, an indication also, but it's it's not in the pshat. You know, ain't no chinam. Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu told Pinchas to do something to take over. So you could say that Moshe Rabbeinu was training leaders, or that Moshe Rabbeinu himself felt he couldn't do it. Ain't But you you're right. And what about the um, uh, Pesach Sheni? He also has to ask. And, uh, the no Shusha Pesach Sheni. Okay, with the Shiloh, shilav tov It doesn't seem as, as much as. Uh, and the Koshei What? Koshei Shetzin H- uh, here, it's all in, in the... the Blaspheme. Uh, just one second. One second. Yeah, that, that, that's all here. Ma'shalo Yadah. And, and I mean we'll, we'll we'll get to it, but I just I want you to understand that the story of of uh, bledot the story of, B'dot is a reflection of the weaker position that Moshe Rabbeinu had, and the idea that Chazal say that they were responsible for adding a passage to the Torah. I mean, if you ask any little kid walk around in the street and you say who how do we get the Torah, they'll say Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Torah. Wouldn't say bledot but well, this is not the only case this is not the only case where, uh, where the Torah where the Chazal say that the Torah was given this piece of Torah was given by, by somebody who is not Moshe Rabbein at the end of the parash of Noso right? Nosso, the end of the parash of Noso there is the story of Chanukah, Samizbeach all of the, the Nesiyim brought korbanot that were given on the Mizveah for 12 days. And one of the korbanot that was given that each of the, the Siyin brought was a korban chatos. And uh, the Ramban says, what do you mean a korban chatos? You can't bring a korban chatos. You have to have a sin. So that you can't make a korban into a korban chatos. It has to be a reflection of some problem. But there was no problem. They just said it's a korban Chathos. So the Ramban says, well, not only was it a korban khatas, not only was it a korban khatas, but it was invented by the Nisim. They invented this idea that you should bring a korban Chathos, a Hanukkah, And that invention, you don't remember it, the last Ramban in the Pajam Noso, Last Ramban, the I don't remember the number of the possum, but that's where you, that's where you look. So the so so the the, the chachomim said if the nasiim did it, then we'll do it also. They did it in Chanukahs of uh, Mitzbeach of Chanukahs uh, of Shlomo Hamelach, and then Ezra. They when they did the Chanukahs of they brought. A carbon hatas. Hanukkah and they brought a carbon hatas. Okay. Uh, just one second. Here. If you look at the uh, Pasuk Hay, you see Pasuk Hay? Masuke says, Vaya Moshe et Bishpatan lifne Hashem. Right, Moshe brought their mishpat, their din Torah, lifne Hashem. And Rashi says, Vaya Moshe et Bishpatan, nit alma alachami menu. Moshe Abenu lost the halacha. He just didn't know the halacha. Ureka neferat. Al Shinatal Atara. And this was a punishment that Moshe Rabbeinu was given, Al shenatal Atara, because he took away the crown. Moshe Rabbeinu said, anything that you find difficult, said to the Dayanim that he appointed, bring it to me, I'll take care of it. And so that haughtiness was punished here because Moshe Rabbeinu himself didn't know the Aloha. The Baracher, whatever the reason, right? But it's a similar idea. You'll see the idea, the Baracher. This Parsha should have been written by Moshe al al the words mean the parasha was written by Benot Suachat. Whatever that means. Whatever that means, I know you could be tricky and say this and say that, but, but I think that the point is that the essential Torah, whatever the essential Torah was, not any longer simply... in the voice of Moshe Rabbein, But the essential Torah became part of the voice of the people who wanted to know what the Torah had to say. Does that make sense? There was the Torah, the Torah wanted to tell us something. The Torah wanted to tell us something and the person who would have access to that was the person who wanted to know. Now you have to understand that all of this change that took place in the Parashel Korach, Chukas, Bolach, and Pinchas, this change made it possible for Bnei Yisrael to live without Moshe Rabbeinu. That was the entire point. Not the entire point, but that could be seen as the entire point. That living with Moshe Rabbeinu was something unique, special, never to be repeated, right, they would have direct access. Imagine they would have direct access to Kodesh Baruch. They could ask Shilas and instead of asking your local rabbi, they would ask Moshe Rabbeinu who could turn directly to God if the was, if the question was not clear. So this all took place, the culmination of this process was Benot Slavchad. Benot Slavchad. who also wrote, according to Rashi, wrote their parsha in the Torah. Right? Benot Slavchad asked a question that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't answer. Benot, Benot were the ones who carried out the Pesach, right? Because in the book of Yoshua it's repeated again, that when Yoshua was giving out the land, was dividing up the land amongst the various... Uh, people, Yoshua uh, carried out the instructions of Moshe Rabbeinu in this in this parsha, in this parsha right here. Okay. Are there any questions? I also something that uh, afterwards there was a uh, an objection raised by the Shvatim, that if the the if the women who inherited would marry someone from a different tribe, then the lamb would move to a tribe. And Moshe had to come back and amend the law, and he said, You know, of okay. a, a woman inherits lamb, well, now she's got to marry someone from her tribe. And so? So, in this thing's even a, a stronger example of how, like, somehow Moshe lost that direct connection. He said something, and then he had to come back and amend it again later. Right, but I mean, I think it's, it's understandable that life could not go on as it was going on in the desert. Mm-hmm. That you couldn't have uh, Miriam and the Bear mm-hmm. and uh, Aaron making peace, and Moshe Be teaching Torah, and Man being served three mm-hmm. times a day. I mean, all of this couldn't be. It was, it was a kind of never-never land, which provided perhaps a, a notion, a goal a, a what might be but it did not provide a good infrastructure for reality it couldn't be in in, in, in Eretz Canaan that's not the way they're going to live they're not going to have man they're not going to have the water of the well of Miriam right? they're not going to have any of that so they have to substitute for that at to substitute for that, they have to do things. And when you do things, you have shyness. And when you have shyness, you have to have someone to turn to. And that's what was going on in all of these parashiyot, that people were getting used to the idea that they needed an alternate reality, that the reality of Moshe Veda taking care of everything was simply not gonna work. It wasn't, it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. They needed that alternate reality. Why couldn't the man and Be'er and Anan continue in Eretz Israel? Well, I don't know. Because it would be a non reality. says, if, if, you think, if you think that God wanted Ben Israel to turn part of the world into an obedient to the Torah, part of the world. Right, that it, it w- wouldn't be because they got everything for nothing. It would be because it was something that you accepted the obligation to do. Uh, I mean, I don't have an answer to that question. I mean, you could give an answer. You say, oh, this is better, this is real, this is... A, but, but there's no answer in the psukic. Mm-hmm. But there's no doubt that God wanted B'nai Yisrael to be proactive to live a regular life, to grow grains in the fields and, and olives and grapes in the in the groves. That's what that's what was desired. And what's the connection between Moshe's seeming lapse in modesty and Minus Davchad? In well, why Dafka there was he punished? What? What is it? to Why, why you? Dafka had Benot Slavcha Didn't he have the answer? And didn't no, what? Didn't have the answer. Why didn't he have the answer? He did not have the answer. Yes, so Rashi says that he was being punished. Right. Why? Why Dafka there? Why not closer to? Oh, the, yeah. I don't know if you could answer. That's a question. I mean, that's where he was punished. Why yeah. Dafka with Benot Slavcha? Maybe it's a move towards feminism. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Huh? I still don't hear Gal HaRishon Feminism, feminism. Gal HaRishon of Feminism yeah. of Feminism I, I don't think I don't think that the, that feminism was an issue there were women there were great women who did great things and there were great men who did great things and most of the people were regular so, so uh, there's no if you read the parashas in show in the Prakim and and the Biyah, so you don't get the impression that it was a big deal. It was something normal. So if, that's what I mean. I said there was no feminism in the Torah because the it was perfectly reasonable that there should be great women. Just as it's perfectly reasonable that there should be great men. It could be that, uh, it could be that, say, in battle, it was more likely that men would lead into battle because they were physically stronger, which is like a fact. But, uh, uh, but Yael, was the one who won the battle against Sisra, mm-hmm. And she did it by knocking a peg into his head. Now, I don't know how strong you have to be to bang a peg into somebody's head. But it doesn't say that in the in the parasha. It doesn't say, oh, wow, it was amazing. We never expected a woman to do a thing like that. Right? It doesn't say that in the, in, the, in So, so the reason, I think, that there's no feminism in the Tanakh is because everything was normal. It was kind of normal. that the people who were capable, they did things. And the people who were not too capable, they didn't do things. And when we look back on it, we say, gee, you know... But maybe it wasn't such a big deal. Maybe, maybe for Devora to be a neviya, she just, she just did it. She was able to do it. She was worthy. So if you're worthy, uh, you don't, uh, you know, you, you don't say, "Gee, uh, look what she did," because she did something regular. She did something regular. In fact, she was was in charge of the battle. She Devora Was in charge of the battle, she gathered the troops, she rallied them. It was was all kind of normal. It was all kind of normal. There are many cases in the Tanakh of the mother of the king, right, or the wife of the king having great power. I mean, that's the story of Esther. The story of Esther is that Achashverosh had a very domineering wife. And she came along with her own army. You know, she was the queen before Achashverosh was the king. And so when Achashverosh said, you should come, come, because I want you to come. So she said no. Now when you read the Megillah, the Megillah says, oh, so they decided to kill her. But the decision to kill her had something to do with who was stronger, who had more armed forces in the field. But the fact of the matter was that she wasn't afraid of him. In terms of power, she she was going to stare him down, and that's how that's how uh, uh, Esther became queen. Because Esther had no relatives, you could say. Esther had no power. She was, but women had power, not Esther, but there were such women. And the reason that the reason Achashverosh listened to Esther at the end was because Achashverosh realized that Haman was the enemy. And that was a problem. Because when you appoint somebody in the ancient world, you appoint them to be, let's say, the foreign minister or the minister of defense, right? You're, you're giving him power he gets a little army that goes along with him that runs around after him very much similar to the way it is today okay let's learn the uh, let's learn the sub sukim of the parashah you see perik the fourth source ben ben gilad ben I mean, that's like sort of uninteresting pasuk, except for the fact that it repeats the yichus to menashe twice. I mean, that's like sort of an uninteresting pasuk, except for the fact that it repeats the, the twice. So Rashi says, "Vishpokt men Hashem ben Yosef lama neamar, v'alokvar neamar ben men Hashem elolomalecha." Yosef chibev et ha'arz Rashi so comes with this wonderful, this wonderful pshat that Yosef loved Eretz Yisrael. Shneamar the end of Breishit, v'alitem et atzmutai v'gomer kein uvenotav that not only did Yosef love Eretz Yisrael, but the daughters of Yosef loved Eretz Yisrael. Right further on. In other words, the first thing that Rashi says is, why are they called Ben Menasheh? Why they called them Menashe? To connect them to Yosef. Yosef loved Eretz Israel, Eretz, Eretz Kenan. And so his daughters and granddaughters also loved Eretz Kenan. Ulam metcha. Furthermore, shayuk Kolam tzadikim. They were all tzadikim. Shekol mi shema'asav uma'asav utav stumim. Kol mi shema'asav uma'asav stumim. And always, it's not listed. Exactly what they were doing. We didn't notice. And the posuk tells you about one of them, one of the descendants that did something good. He did something good. I raise it, Sadik ben Sadik. So Rashi has this idea that, that there's an ulterior motive to mentioning a lot of relatives when you mention when you mention something and that's either to to remind us they were talking about a tzaddik ben tzaddik or a ben Russia, one or the other. You know, you remember where this comes up? In Rashi? The first time. What? No, not a sorry. Yitzchak. Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak and Rivka. Right, that they... Uh, uh, they both died, But then the Pesuk said that Hashem responded to Yitzhak. Because Yitzhak was a tzaddik ben tzaddik and Rivka was a tzaddik ben rashi, a little harsh. I mean, poor, poor Rivka, she just tried to dominate for a child. I mean. but, but the idea, the idea is an idea that Rashi uh, likes. And that is that uh, your genetic inclination to sitkus is something that exists. It's real, it's something real, so that it makes sense for Rashi to say that the Yitzchak was a tzaddik, a tzaddik, a real tzaddik, and Rivka was somehow less than that. That's what, that's what it says. Uh, further on, the, these girls are mentioned again, Magid she Okay, was, here's Rashi backing away from an opportunity. In one place is Machla Noah, and the other place is in the list. It says Machla tirza. How come? Rashi says no. There's no reason because that's how it is. You could say put any order to them, it would all be it would all be the same. Pasuk bet va t'amud lan pnei moshev lan elazar ko haye l'pnei lan at siim nikola ida petachomo edlein more right that's pesuk that's pesuk uh, bet l'pnei moshev l'pnei elazar you see you see l'pnei moshev l'pnei elazar magid this comes to teach us Shelo arbaim. This was the 40th year after Yitzhiat Mitzrayim, which is the year in which they have to enter Eretz Kenan. Achar made Aharon. After Aharon died, so that it's Moshe and Elazar. It's not Moshe and Aaron, but Moshe and Elazar. So it sort of gives you a date here. name Moshe elazar. I mean that's a good question. I mean, what's the intention of the Pasuk in the Pasuk? It says, if they're standing before Moshe Rabbeinu, there's nowhere else to go. There's nothing higher. If name Moshev Libne Elazar. If Elazar Elazar, Rashi says, If Nei Moshev Achak Elazar, If Shari Lo If you go to Moshe Rabbeinu and he tells you he doesn't know the halacha, you go to Elazar. He certainly doesn't know the halacha, because everything he knows Elazar he learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. So if Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know. He certainly doesn't know. Elazar esamik rabed darshehu. Sareis HaMikra Vidarshev. Sareis mikra means you don't have to be careful about the word order. It could also be, first they went to Elazar, and then they went to Moshe. Why does it say Moshe Elazar? Because it's not chubad for the Pesach to say Elazar Moshe. You're writing up a summary, so you're going to put Moshe first. But if you're reading the like the intention of the pasuk, then Sare Samikra. Move the words around and then you'll understand. You understand what happened. This is a principle that Rashi accepts and that generally speaking the Ramban rejects. Sare Samikra Biddar Where's the kind of pasuk? The address, Slova used to say. Where's the address for Soros? He never said it about Soros HaMikra. Soros where's the address? Vayorayim tola'im vayivash. The Shlach, when it talks about the man, it says that if you took more than you deserved, or you took more than you, you were supposed to have, you tried to store it, then Vayorayim tola'im... It became wormy, vayivash stinky. Wormy and stinky, which I guess is not something that you want to eat for lunch. Right? So, so everybody asks us this following kasha. Everybody, everybody has the following kasha. He says it's not true. First it stinks and then it gets wormy. Wormy is like a very high level of stinkiness. And the Pasuk says, Vayarom that first they were Tolaim and then and then the and then it stank. So the Ramban, the Ramban says, it's okay, it was a miracle. I think the Iban agrees. It was a miracle. Because the Ramban, for the Ramban, everything could be a miracle. Right? So this could also be a miracle. So the Ramban says, No problem. No problem because it wasn't simply that it stunk like everything else in the world could stink at the time but it was something that was special. Right? God was uh, took care of this. Took care of this problem. But Rashi Rashi says no. That you have the first it stank and then it became wormy, Then it became wormy. So you understand, you know, if you think about it, you say, so what does this mean about the Torah, about the perfection, the idea of perfection in the Torah, right, which is, uh, of course, it's easy enough to say the Torah is perfect, and that there is nothing, uh, but it's not so easy to explain what that perfection looks like, or tastes like, or smells like. So for Rashi, the perfection is in the idea, apparently. But it could it's possible that the perfection does not include that the perfection does not include some kind of perfect system of word order. That the words don't have to be in order. They can be jumbled up or messed up in some way or other. Whereas for the Ramban, who was a Kabbalist, I think it was harder to accept such an idea that it's as though somebody's tampering with the Torah. That it's not given to us in a in a perfect way. Not given to us in a perfect way. Okay, let's look at pasuk uh, gimel avinu meit vamitbar vuhlo ayav toch aidan or adim al Hashem ba dat korach kibechetom met banim lo lo. so benot zlavchad know that there's going to be some kind of argument. They're going to say you don't deserve it. Your father didn't deserve it, right? Because he was not a clear—he wasn't a clear person. Hulohaiya Rashi, lefisha yubaot lo mar bechet They came, the daughters. They said he died because of what he did. Niskekulo mar lo bechet mitlonenim lo badat Korach shehatzu ala Kadosh Baruch Hu. He died because of something he did, but not he was not opposed to God. He wasn't opposed to the Torah. He did not cause others to sin. In other words, he was one of the people who died during the 38 years in the desert. So if he was one of the people who died, obviously he deserved the punishment. So they come and they say, no, it's true, he died, but... He didn't do anything terrible. He did something wrong, but he didn't do anything terrible. Nothing really uh, terrible. Then, Pasuk Dalit, Labi Garashem Abin Mitok Why should you reduce the name, our father's name, from within his family, Ka'elo Ben, because he had no sons? Tanan Lanu betoch Ache Abinu. Right, Lameigarashi, Ravina Rashi, Anu bimkom ben omdot. We're like a son. Vim ein ha nekevot chashuvot zera. And if you say that females are not considered to be progeny, tidiabim Li liyabam. So my mother will have relations with a yabam. He ain't a Ha'im ha'yalo ben lo ha'yutov ot klub. Magid she'chachman yod says they were clever. That they had the clever argument. They didn't just come and say, give us. Give us something. But they had this clever uh, argument. Okay, now we get back to the pasuk that we started with. Pasuk Hei Moshet Moshe Ad mishpatad Hashem. Nupnei Hashem. Pasuk we talked about that. He took the crown. I can handle anything. This the the lomar i consider this to be an important point which uh, uh again as, I, as we spoke earlier was an introduction to to the new world in eretz canaan that you're going to go and ask yoshua benun shaylos yoshua benun was like uh, was like, uh, you know, before you asked trouble Yashiv, and now you just ask somebody in the street, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't a reasonable transfer of authority. But this became, this became what the glue that enabled Am Yisrael to exist. And whatever you say, whatever you say about Chazal, you know, like I have a, I have whatever your attitude is one's attitude to Chazal is Chazal existed because we had an idea that there was authority, that there was somebody and some people and some group. We call them today, we call them Chazal, but they were Zugot and then Tanaim and then Emoraim. And within that community of people, there was authority. Okay, it wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. It wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu, but it was authority. And that authority, that religious authority, told me what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted of me. That was something remarkable. And if we didn't have that authority, we would have just dis- disappeared. We would disappear. disappeared. People were shyless, and there would be no answer. Nobody could ever give an answer, because they would never be safe. Right? You can never pask in a shayla because there's always somebody else who would say that you're an idiot. So that kind of that kind of situation, that kind of situation is a situation which is, which is difficult. Okay. Enough for today. But remember, remember the parashiyot, the parashiyot, uh in the book of Amitvah, the switch from uh, uh, the authority of Moshe Rabbeinu to a wider authority, a more general authority, right, Moshe was certainly the Yoshua but Yoshua of Eskenim, Like, even the fact that you went from Yoshua to Eskenim, from one to many, was a remarkable thing. Because Moshe, because Yoshua at least could say I was sitting in the tent when, when, when Moshe said it. But the Skenim, they weren't there. Yeah, You had that movement from Parsha Yitro already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yitro, Yitro enabled uh, Psaq to go on. It's the same idea. I think it's the same idea. Okay. Where is... Uh,